Taste of Dragons Gaming Podcast. We eat sandwiches and play games. Taste of Dragons Gaming Podcast. A podcast for everyone's taste. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Taste of Dragons, the Toddcast, the video game podcast that all you dungeon crawlers listen to. This week, our immortal assassins and warriors have been found in the shadows. The news is bio-aware. Our topic is debatable. And our dragon this week is Finding Joy. Black Girl Gamers founder, Jay Ann Lopez. And as always, my name is Brian. My name is Troy. My name is Amanda. I'm Lewis. And I'm Joe. Hey, so uh, you just heard Lewis there. Welcome back, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> it has. <laughs> Hi, Lewis. So happy you're back. Yeah. Welcome Woo. to the virtual world of yeah. podcasting. That's right. This is your it, first time uh, virtually podcasting with all of us. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, weird. Very, yeah. very not the best, but it, we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's three right. We are doing three it. different lag times. Ooh. <laughs> it's like the this matrix, but there's like spaces between all the letters. Uh, I love space matrix. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what I thought it was going to be. It's just going to make it really difficult for Joe to edit. That's all. <laughs> we love yep, you, yep. Joe. This is fine. <laughs> Thank you. I love you all too. <laughs> you said this is fine, and I just imagine that little dog surrounded by the fire meme. Like this is fine. <laughs> that is actually one of my favorite memes, but the actual one that I love the most, my favorite meme of all time, is actually the little fire in the room full of dogs saying this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's way more alarming. That's very good. <laughs> That's, That's very, very funny. <laughs> Uh, but how you guys been this week? It's uh, been a uh, a bit of a time for all of us. It's been chilly. Uh, yeah, yeah, we we got a we got a bit of a cold draft down here in Florida, and I know the rest of the nation is making fun of us because it dipped below sixty, and we're like, time to break <laughs> out the the winter gear. Get the parkas, get the skis. <laughs> you got to remember, though, it's cold and wet down here. So the cold, the cold like freezes your soul, not just your skin. <laughs> <laughs> and then the humidity just finishes the job, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been amazing for me. I've gone out in shorts, short sleeves, loving yeah. it. Mm. Short shorts. He's just he's just drinking in that cool weather. I, I'm with you, Lewis. I tend to wear a lot more tank tops, and I usually walk outside in my my, my tiny shorts in the morning. So I'm like, I'll go get the mail. Do 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 do. It's really nice out. I tried yeah. to be one of you cool people. Like I had the window, I had the, the sliding glass door open, and I was in my t-shirt, just chilling, shorts. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't get cold down here in South Florida very often. I'm going to embrace the chill. And I made it about about an hour and a half, <laughs> but the cold. The longer the night went, the colder it got, and I was like, I don't think I have the strength. I am weak. Nah, cold. I get cold all time. All, all time cold. All time cold. Time. <laughs> Give me eighty-seven blankets, please, and some hot cocoa. I'm ready to go. I will say it is perfect hot cocoa weather when Assassin's Creed yes. Chill was going on in the week. Amanda had made some cocoa, which incited me to make some cocoa. Thank you for that. We don't normally have cocoa weather, so if it gets cold, you're almost legally required to make cocoa. This is true. I think so. Agreed. Especially in Florida. Yes. South yep. Florida, that is. <laughs> we would have burnt stuff, but we ran out of things to burn. That's true, because it is Florida. We're always burning things. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Very true. Well, uh, let's. Uh, that's enough of the weather. Let's get into our games this week. 
<laughs> do, 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 do. What, what are, are you playing? playing? <laughs> and um, Troy, would you like to start us off this week? Yeah, sounds good. So there are some awards coming out since it is the end of the year and there are plenty of award nominees put out there as well. And as I was looking at the list, as we'll be talking about later on our podcast about game awards, there was a game that I saw that was nominated for awards such as Best Impact Award, Best Indie Game, and it was a game called If Found, an adventure game made and are published by Annapurna. Those are the people that brought you What Happens to Edith Finch and and, and other cool games like that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Wild Hearts, Kentucky Route Zero, Donut County. So if found, I played it on my mobile phone, but I think you can play it other places as well. On the Switch, I believe it's also out and, my, and uh, Microsoft. It's a story about, takes place in the 90s, about a woman who comes home for her father's funeral in Ireland and... She's coming home to her family different because she is trans and she has transitioned while she was away and or is starting a transition. And so it's about trying to like, it's it's that story, trying to find acceptance, understanding and and almost a new start in the wake of, of her father passing. So hmm. uh, what's also amazing about this game is the way that it is presented Uh, Do you guys remember those, like, magic coloring books that's, like, all one color, but if you take, like, a magic marker and just color over it, it makes a picture? Yeah. That's kind of what this game is, but you do it with your finger on your phone. So it may be, like, spaces on your phone, but if you wipe across space, all of a sudden you reveal there's uh, a starship there, and then you wipe on the starship and you see there's a person inside, and then you wipe on the person, and then it, it draws you into the next scene and then tells this beautiful story that does involve space, <laughs> but also this tale about coming home. So so it literally draws you in. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> they have some pretty good mechanics or some uh, design where they take those mechanics where you're kind of coloring and drawing, and you actually go through her journal, and it's all crossed out and whatnot, and you can, like, wipe away where the where it's crossed out to see what she wanted to write but then crossed out, trying to get more insight into what, what she was writing about. And yeah, you just kind of experience these like three really tumultuous weeks of her. It's beautiful. I played it. I finished it maybe like uh, like a half an hour before this podcast. And yeah, I was in tears by the end. Uh, the arc that she has with her family is really uh, uh, empowering, uh, but also really sad <laughs> uh, and definitely worth playing. So it's under five bucks. I think it's like three ninety nine on iOS. Oh, nice for a uh-huh. game that is literally nominated for a bunch of awards. That is a hell of a price uh, for such a good product. Um, nice. So yeah, uh, how long did it? How long did it take you to beat it by any chance? Yeah, it's it, it's kind of like watching a movie. So yeah, about a couple hours, I would say. Oh, okay, right, Mandy. I was nice. on the couch the whole time. <laughs> Is just, that what you were doing? Just swiping away. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell bad. when you're Instagramming or playing a video game. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of similarities. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Um, but check it out. Uh, if found, uh, you can find it on anywhere you look except for PS4 and Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> so go there. Consoles. They didn't. They, they're not worthy. All right. Cool. Well, thank you, Troy. Uh, yep. And then what about you, Manda? What did you play this week? I'm still playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're deep in our Assassin's Creed and chill. I go to work all day. 
I come back, Troy and I make dinner, we sit down, watch TV for a little bit, and then my friends are like, hey, you want to play Assassin's Creed? And then we sit on the sofa for hours and then talk about nothing and then play Assassin's Creed. It's glorious. Taking it's, advantage of that PS5 voice chat party. Uh, Assassin's Creed aside, the, the PlayStation 5 um, communication features have been really great. Yeah. We all jump on chat, um, even people who can't play, like our friend the other day, his girlfriend was using the TV, so he couldn't, uh, but he could still get into chat and talk to us while we were playing the game. And then we've been using a lot of the screen share. Troy's been fighting these really difficult boss battles, which I won't talk about because I'm a little spoilery. <laughs> and it's been great because he can put up his boss battle and then we can all sit and watch him lose time after time after time <laughs> after time until he finally gets it. And then we all get that moment of like, yeah, I'm not looking forward to doing that later. <laughs> Joe, we watched Joe do some some wolf fighting, yeah. uh, which which was also the same type of thing, just just gorgeous. She was slightly under level for the area. And then just that, that moment of her like beating it at the end was just was just amazing. So yeah. sad. Assassin's Creed still the same game it was last week, but now a little more collaborative because we're playing with a friend of friends. Yeah, Assassin's Creed and chill. Nice. So the cool thing about that voice chat feature is that it's persistent, and that's a difference from the PS4. With the PS4, you kind of have to go in and remake that group over and over again and whatnot. With this, it just kind of exists, and you can just hop in and out, and if your friends hop on and see you're in the voice chat, then they can just hop on and then continue the chat. Also, for friends that aren't on PS5, they can actually join the chat via the, the uh, new revamped PlayStation app on or, your phone. Or on their PS4. Or on their PS4. <laughs> yeah. It works there, too. It's like a secret, secret Assassin's Creed club. Yeah. We're like our Ooh. own creed of assassins. That's right. We are. <laughs> We're like the chill ones. Uh, We're like our really own feel... order. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would love to go like assassinate or whatever today, but I just got this hot cocoa and it's going to go cold. Let's just, let's just do it later. Let's do it later. Or never. I made popcorn. <laughs> Time for me to assassinate some popcorn. I'm yeah. not <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So that was Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, and then, you know, I'll go next. Um, this week, I played a banger of a game. Um, it is set in the D&D universe, and it is called Warriors of the Eternal Sun, and it came out on the Genesis. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wait, what? Dear God. What's going on here? I was uh, waxing nostalgic this week, and I was like, you know, I remember playing this one game when I was really young uh, in my Genesis, and I was like, I remember it was a D&D game, so I looked it up. I looked up, you know, just D&D Genesis game. Boom, popped up, and I was like, that's it. I own it physically, so I was like, I'm not going to dig through all of my stuff to, to find it. So I just got it on an emulator on my PC, and I've been playing through it and enjoying the absolute heck out of it. Just enjoying memory lane of, of me, like, I forget how old I was, probably around eight or nine, just playing this game. And it's, it's, it's awesome. What kind of game is it? It is a kind of like a tactical RPG, like uh, where you have to set up your units and where they go. It's kind of like, it's kind of like D&D. You, you set up your characters okay. where they want to go and you can attack with a ranged weapon or a sword. And that, and that was for the Genesis? Yep, it was for the Genesis. Okay, cool. I bet the graphics are yeah. awesome. Killing it. They, they are, are much better than you would think they would be. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Uh, but it's just been so great because it has, so you have the overland map, which is a top down, you know, you're looking at your, your players and then you have like your battles there. So you, you know, it's, it's a little back and forth. Uh, but then once you enter like the cave system, it switches to that first person kind of doom like, 
and um and then you go through the levels like that and uh and so in the caves it's a completely different type of system so you can still attack with your ranged or your or your uh, melee weapons but it's all in real time whereas the other way it's all turn-based and i really like the the two systems that it has going on there and you're and one character yeah, or it, it's, you, it's a great the whole party uh you have four characters so you are the whole party um, and you're just trying to figure out what you're doing in this strange land. It's like a cat. Your, your entire castle is what is not where it's, it's supposed to be. Do you have an official D and D name? Do you have Brian, the D and D character name? Uh, I do not. No, it is just Brian. <laughs> Brian, the magnificent Brian, the magician. That's right. No, it's, it's this magnificent wizard, huge beard, glowing hat, eyes, rings everywhere. What's your name, sir? Just Brian. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. Brian. <laughs> you only are. It's Brian. Just Brian. Just Brian. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, uh, we learned a little tip about D&D character names, right? Is you take uh-huh. a regular name and then you take the species that they are and then you take the first letter of that species and you add it to the front of their name. Right. So instead of Brian, you would be Ryan, which is so Brian? D&D sounding. A human. Same name. <laughs> It's perfect. It works every time. It's but, if you, but if you're a gnome, you'd be Grian. It just, it just rolls really off the good. tongue, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're an orc, you're Orion. See? It also works with Lewis. He would be Hewis or, or Guis. If what he if was he's, a gnome. What if he's Hewis? an elf? Yeah. Ewis. Ewis? Ewis. Yeah. What up? Ewis? That's a very elf name. Ewis sounds terrible, but maybe good. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very D and D. It is, it is. Uh, but this game is great. If you haven't, if you don't know what it is, look it up. Warriors of the Eternal Sun. It's a, it's a great throwback that uh, definitely, I think, was ahead of its time. Uh, cool. Especially with the programming capabilities of the Genesis, they definitely could not recreate all of the D and D rule set in it. So they did the best they could. Oh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that was my game, Warriors of the Eternal Sun for the Genesis. And then what about you, Joe? What did you play this week? This week, I played Immortal Phoenix Rising. Ooh, that's a new, new release. It is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've spent a really good amount of time playing Assassin's Creed, which is also by Ubisoft. And they are very similar I have spent the last, I think, six months worth of playing games and open world games, and I feel like they are like they're like my thing now. All of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Lewis? I have done nothing but play open world games. This is really weird. <laughs> I go from one, and then I just compare it to the last one I played, and that's I'm still comparing everything to Ghost of Tsushima. So don't worry, I'll still give that thing some love. But <laughs> all in all, I will say, like as much as this was like Breath of the Wild, and it's it's not. It's really not. It, it's the system is so much more Assassin's Creed, but it's not broken. And I, and I don't mean that like to as a hit at Assassin's Creed. I really like Assassin's Creed. It just has a very a lot of it is glitched, and the the attack system. Once you get the timing down of something, it's broken. Like you can murder all the things as soon as you get down their counters. The time you have so much time as as you're dodging. In this, the the combat is not as it's it's less fluid like there's less movement but it's a lot easier to kind of handle and you don't have that much stuff you can do you don't have like eight different kinds of weapons yet i've only got three and they work great um for those of you who do not know what phoenix uh, immortal phoenix rising is it is an open world game that is a uh, action adventure 
and you basically have a whole lot of things all around the world and you kind of like collect I'm going to talk an Assassin's Creature you collect glowy things here and there <laughs> and you, you go for glowy things you do some dungeon tu- uh, puzzles and as you level up you can take on harder enemies essentially or the not even that you can't take them on at the beginning of the game they're just so hard that it would take you forever to toothpick at them it's a great game it's very fun I'm enjoying it immensely I think the thing I like the most about it though is that unlike other games where there is a pulse system where you press you know press in on R3 and it makes everything go a certain color and then the things you need to grab glow which I recently heard the term that makes you a slave to the pulse while you are playing a game and I was like ooh that is a that is a term and then I realized how often I did it in Assassin's Creed and oh my god it's true I wasn't enjoying the environment anywhere near as much if I was actually looking for something. I would get on a horse in either in either game at this point. I'll get on a horse and just ride around and have a good time kind of just going from point A to point B, not really looking for anything. And I love it. And I'm chilling and it's so great. But as soon as I have to actually look for something glowy, I'm just pulsing that button. And I'm just looking for the glowy thing. I'm not even enjoying how like they're environmentalists like, you know, they, they made all this. The designers did all this and I'm not even giving it like, you know, the proper shake. This game doesn't have a pulse. It's not a thing. You have to use your eyes for everything. <laughs> you, you can, you can, you go around a map and once you synchronize essentially or you do like a focus point on things, you get up really high and you look over everything. You have to take the cursor over the whole land and as the haptic feedback on the triggers show you, oh, like nice. remind you where to go, it's, it's rumbling so you can add a tag and it'll show you what it is if you let it rumble long enough. It'll be like, oh, do you want to reveal that point? Like, yeah, you have to do it yourself. There is no like cool glowy crap in the distance telling you it's very different, but I really like it. So I'm not saying I want to give up my awesome glowy crap in Assassin's Creed. I love that too. <laughs> I am not about that. I'm, I love that. It seems like because they're both Ubisoft that that's like the next iteration of the glowy thing. Because we were saying that about the mini mini map is when you put icons on a mini map, I spend the whole time looking at the upper right hand corner at this little circle and nothing looking at the game. So I felt like the glowy thing was a good way to like move forward to be like, no, now I'm actually looking at things. They're all blue, but I'm looking at things. So I feel like that's <laughs> the even better evolution is like, hey, now I'm yeah. looking at things in real colors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's really great. Aside from the style being Breath of Wild looking, it's really that I do not miss having a stamina meter back though. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, climbing. Man. Yeah, dude, man, I did not. I did not miss that at all. But you can glide now, though. I know. I have the Wii back, and I'm cool as long as I have something <laughs> that I can jump off the high points and then. Wee! You just kind of oh, glide everywhere. You mean. I'm about yeah. I was like, yeah, I was what? like, what's the weed? What is that? <laughs> yeah, I was like the weed. Okay, <laughs> like a you have like a like a parachute or something. You get wings. It's a um. Okay. You're running. You're kind of going through uh, to a degree Greek mythology. Ah. You are Phoenix. The name of the character is Phoenix. You get to create the character. It can be a guy, a girl. It can be a mix of Ooh. both. Whatever you want. I could have put a beard on my chick. I basically made Avor, which I thought was very funny when I was done. <laughs> That's um, cute. She's like cartoon Avor. I, I oh man, I will say though one thing. This game that every everything I heard about the game, everyone talked about how the narrative's not great like or not even that the acting is not great for the narrative okay. and nothing could prepare me for how bad it actually is oh, but man. i kind of love it because it's bad now sure. it's so <laughs> cheesy sure. like it's there's some it's it's so like i going from assassin's creed where i genuinely feel like everything is so well acted and then before that it was ghosts so like I feel like everything I've, I, every open world game I've played this year has been phenomenal and all the story and all the narrative was amazing. The acting was so good that it really like, you care about these characters. Yo, guys, 
this ain't this you you don't care <laughs> it's just like the worst james wood impressions from like everyone's trying to be hades from hercules the disney movie it's not it's not good <laughs> that sounds but fantastic the not good is what makes it so great <laughs> it yeah. is great it's so funny yeah but it's not I'm into good. this I, I, I wouldn't it's it's wrong uh, it's great for all the wrong reasons if you end up streaming this on twitch please let us know <gasps> do, 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 i would do, do, like do. to watch some I will. Yeah. Uh, I will probably be streaming this on uh, Saturday, Saturday night for Miss Shots because wow, it is real easy to miss shots in this game. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to watch as well since I'm not getting it because Cyberpunk is a week. I got a week. That's right. That's Done right. right. One week. So All right, cool. The game I played. Yeah. All right, cool. So that was Immortals: Phoenix Rising. And uh, now, what about you, Lewis? What'd you play this week? So this week I went. Um, I guess I went back a little bit. Uh, I played Middle Earth Shadow of War. Okay. Um, when you said back, I was expecting, like, you know, Nintendo. Like, nah, I, <laughs> I just went back, like, because I, I played the first one, Shadow of Mordor, and then mm-hmm. I, th- I think I started Shadow of War or played a demo, and then I just never did it. But now it's free on, on, for, for PS Plus, so I'm like, oh, why not? I'll just get this and there's lots of killing yeah. in it and um, that is what you like <laughs> yeah i mean when it's done well and this i will say the game is repetitive because the game is broken in the way that you guys are saying Assassin's creed is broken because i can go the whole game never being touched once i figured yeah. out the counters i am like there's like an army around me and no matter how many people are attacking me at once i am never getting hit yeah it's a it's, yeah. a, it's a fantasy you're you're kind of yes. you are a god pretty much in that game. Guys, a hundred percent. If Lewis was an orc, his name would be Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> no, uh, no. So on the murder stream, Jembeeb did uh, an orc name generator. Ooh. <laughs> and my name came out to be Lorgoth. Ooh, Lorgoth. I like it. That's good. That's good. Were you like Lorgoth the Poisoner, a Lorgoth the Hellspawn, Lorgoth the Twitch streamer? I didn't come up with what what, what the moniker of my name is, (laughs) but Lorgoth was the name because like in- Lorgoth the (laughs) Ooh Yeah, because in Shadow of War, anytime you come across a captain, they do like a very slow freeze cinematic and then there's like a voiceover that says the name so it's like poog and like a really yes. cool voice yeah I, I think you would be the death dealer I think you would be Ooh. Lugoth the death dealer that's what I'm thinking I, I'd like that I'd like that <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll get a, I'll get our friend Nakia to do to do a drawing with me as an orc um, yes. but uh, so yeah so I played that game and I like it yes because there is fighting but it does get repetitive so that's honestly secondary to me but like kind of the lore of Lord of the Rings because it is a Lord of the Rings uh, lore game and so mm-hmm. just that learning stuff from that world that is technically I think canon um, within Lord of the sure. Rings sure <laughs> why not why not <laughs> but it's it's just really cool and um it's fun i mean yeah it's honestly a lot of it's pretty mindless just kind of wandering around and it is open world but it's kind of like boring open world because the majority of the maps are almost exactly the same yeah it's it's mordor it's it's all burning that's, yeah, that's all you it's need mordor. <laughs> it's all barren it's all yeah. orcs yeah <laughs> yeah awesome all right cool so yeah but you're having fun with it though having a good time yeah 
I'm having fun. I'm I am playing through the story as much as I can, and I think I'm gonna keep playing it just to finish it because I'm like, I think I'm halfway story wise. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just do it, finish it. Yeah, it's a fun story. It's a fun story. All right, cool. So that was Lord of the Rings: Shadow of War. All right. So I'll do it for our games. That brings us to our news segments. News, 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 news. And this week, starting off, we're going to get some news that should have been last week. And uh, Troy is here to bring it to us. All right. So about a week ago, a little over a week ago, the Golden Joystick Awards 2020 kicked off and gave out a slew of awards um, over a really great presentation. The Golden Joystick Awards is the equivalent of the British People's Choice Awards. Okay. And it's been going on for like 37 years now, so it has a pretty good history. The big difference, though, is about, I don't know, maybe five years ago, they pretty much said with the internet, "Ah, whatever, anyone can vote in this. (laughs) (laughs) So this is uh, not just British people. This is just like a Whoever whoever got on the website soon enough in the entire world could have voted on, on these awards. Did you vote? I didn't even hear about this until I was watching it. And I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> there's always next year. <laughs> there's always next year. So some of the highlights that I would say, um, there's all your regular um, uh, categories, which we'll go over later when we talk about the game awards in America. But some really cool shout outs that they gave. They have something called the Breakthrough Award which is for kind of games that didn't come out this year, but had a huge impact and aren't necessarily AAA. (laughs) Meaning, Among Us. (laughs) 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 They knew they had to give Among Us some type of award for just what it did this year for gaming. It's hard to think of this year without thinking of Among Us. So it was kind of cool. They were awarded the Breakthrough Award because they broke through. It took them three years or two years. Oh, yeah. hey. They're like the number one game on Twitch still. Also, they have a, uh, a lovely award called Outstanding Contribution where they like to just acknowledge. It's not really an award, but it's acknowledging different companies who have um, done things for the community. For example, the Bundle for Racial Equality and, and Injustice. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, wait, for justice, not injustice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> done by HIO. Like they got recognized for what they did, you know, raising... $80 million <laughs> yeah. for their cause. Incredible stuff. That's awesome. Critics' Choice went to Hades, which is the Woo! only, that's the only uh, category where it's the critics, not the people. And they chose Hades for, for Game of the Year. And then the ultimate Game of the Year was The Last of Us 2 uh, throughout. So pretty interesting nice. night. Also worth noting that um, uh, Team 17 was inducted into the Golden Joysticks uh, Hall of Fame. That is the company that Brian talked about le- last week. Founded by Debbie Bestwick, correct? Yep, that is correct. Shout out to Golden Joystick. It was a fun year, and they did a great job at presenting it virtually. That was the thing I was really looking for, is how they're going to do this virtually. And mm-hmm. uh, they had a great recap of the whole of the whole event. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you for that news, Troy. Sure, it definitely been in last week's news, but hey, we forgot. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, and then in fun, unrelated news, uh, Ubisoft has a feature called Ubisoft Connect Wrap-Up, where it chronicles all of your achievements from the last five years, which is actually pretty cool, uh, unless you haven't played many games or the system has messed up somehow. Uh, for instance, it goes through your top three games that you've played and goes through some awesome stats of them, like you killed 4,000 enemies and you got 1,000 headshots. You know, good for oh, you. Well, uh, well, for me, it was like you've played one game. 
Watch Dogs 2. <laughs> and and for my stats that it had, it's like, you've done one successful hacking. Nine targets neutralized. Zero bounty escapes. <laughs> and it's Uh-oh. doing all this while flashy graphics are showing my, like, non-achievements. <laughs> and, like, music is, like, blaring That's going funny. to it. That's amazing. And... It's like just hilarious because considering just in the last month alone we've played three Ubisoft Connect games, uh, <laughs> and for some reason didn't count them. So <laughs> where uh, so where yeah, do we was, find this if we want to see our own? Uh, if you want to see your own, just look up uh, Ubisoft. Um, just wrap up. You could probably just type in Ubisoft wrap up, but it's Ubisoft Connect wrap up. Just type that in, um, okay. and then you just uh, you just log into your account. Either you can type in like your PSN name or or you know, your Xbox name, whatever you play on, and awesome. uh, it'll give you your stats. So Sounds good. I, I do look forward to what yours are, Troy, because you do play all of them. So yeah. I want to see if it messes yours up or what happens with yours. <laughs> I'm not too hopeful because when I was playing Watch Dogs two. I uh, there mm-hmm. was some content that if I mean if, when I was playing Watch Dogs Legions, uh, there was some content that I should have received for playing Watch Dogs Two that was locked on my Ubisoft account. Uh-oh. I was looking huh. at that jacket like, oh, I I should have that jacket. <laughs> that jacket's mine. Why is it locked? So yeah. I'm not hopeful, man. To be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was very weird, very very weird. But uh, yeah, I thought that was just really funny. And then uh, in some breaking Bioware news, uh, we got Manda to bring it to us. So as some of you may or may not know, I'm a really big fan of Bioware for one game specifically, and that game is Dragon Age. <laughs> Dragon Age. Dragon Age. Mark Dara and Casey Hudson have just left Bioware, uh, which is particularly important for me because Mark Dara is the lead on Dragon Age and has been the lead since Dragon Age Origins, which is the first game ever. He's going to be replaced by Christian Daly, uh, who up till now has been working on Anthem. And I flipped over to Dara's Twitter account, and he had a lovely farewell email. They left on amicable terms. He's retiring. In the email, he stated that he had a lot of faith in what Christian Daly would do with Dragon Age, and also that the entire Dragon Age team is going to continue moving forward, that the game is still in development, and that he still has confidence in everything that they're going to do. It sounded a lot like, if if I had to read between the lines... uh, Read between those lines, Mandy. He's been at the same company for a really long time, and video game development is very stressful. He just sounds tired. He just sounds like he needs a a little bit of a break, and I think that's great. I think it's super professional for someone to step away before they've had too much, or before it's been, like... And it's been Super. it's been a tough year. It on has. top of that, it like has. I'm not I I'm not holding anyone uh, to the fire for being like you know what I think I'm done this year. I think yeah. I'm just gonna retire and try to take it easy. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> but so good on him for for you know taking care of taking care of his stuff and stepping out when he felt like he needed to. And I hope he does wonderful in whatever he does next. Also to Casey Hudson. I hope they both land on their feet and do some more amazing stuff. Very talented. Yep, absolutely. All right, thank you, Amanda. And then now on to reports that have been coming out that some PS5 users are getting their accounts banned, with even a couple of PS5 consoles themselves getting banned from going online. And the reason being is because people were selling access to their PS5 console to add the PlayStation Collection games that are exclusive to people that own PlayStation 5 consoles. So what they would do is they'd be like, hey, give me $8, I'll log on to your account for my PS5, I'll add all of the PlayStation Plus game, you know, collection games to your account, and then you can just play them on your PS4. So it's like giving them those games for free, even though it costs them 8 bucks. While I applaud whoever figured that out the first at first, uh-huh. that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's it's it's. I'm what, sure the first person was like, "Is this possible? Is this possible? Holy crap, it's possible! Holy crap, it's possible!" And then and then it got out of hand. I bet. Yeah, it's it's one thing to be like, "Hey, you know, my friend couldn't, you know, couldn't you know, secure a PS5. You know, I'll log, you know, I'll have him log on to my accounts, you know, or log on to my console. He can get them. You know, like just like a friend or two. But like when you're actually selling access and making money yeah. off of it, that's where you know there's a line crossed there. Exactly. Yeah. And, that's, and it was mainly, you don't own that content. You don't get to sell the content you don't own. They're charging exactly. for the service. Exactly. Yeah. Illegally. <laughs> so so anybody who bought uh, access was giving a two month ban uh, from their from their online accounts, while the offending accounts and consoles that were selling the access were permanently banned, as far as I know. So damn. Woof. Yeah. It's pretty rough, but hey, you know that's, that's that's what happens. You try to make some money off of uh, in the wrong way. Just sell your PS5 if you wanted to make money, guys. Okay. <laughs> Legit. I'm sure that's Easy in the money. terms of service that no one reads. <laughs> yeah. <exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, for some hardware news, Joe has got us covered. Yeah, this uh, week has been a little weird. Um, real quickly, the so a couple people in here and there on the internet have made videos of their PS5 controllers showing that there's a bit of drift Ooh. happening to the left controller stick. Yeah, it's um apparently there's three or four actual accounts out there that have said they were launched PS5 hardware. So as of right now, there is only a few cases that are actually like Sony's like, oh yeah, this this happened. It is not widespread, but people are kind of getting that like they're twitching because of Nintendo and the joystick, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Joy Joy-Con drift that people were like, oh no. So hopefully everybody's PS5 controllers are dope and perfectly fine. But yeah, keep an eye on it, I Those guess. Those controllers yep. are expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I don't know about you guys, but with the haptic feedback, like, I feel I feel like that thing's gonna wear down sooner or later. Like I'm I'm a, I'm very hesitant to the longevity of these controllers myself. Not all of us are as click happy as you are. <laughs> they put the tension <laughs> yeah. in there. You gotta squeeze it harder. <laughs> hey, listen, I mean, if they were worried about that, they should not have released Astrobot. I'm just saying. That's all. <laughs> very true. That will break the controller alone. <laughs> So it's not just that, though. There's some uh, kind of odd rumorish news that's not necessarily a rumor coming from the UK. For months now, people have not been able to get Nintendo Switch docks, like actual Nintendo-branded Switch docks. Here in the States, we don't have that problem. Australia doesn't have that problem. Japan doesn't have that problem. You can buy them from almost anywhere at the moment. But in the UK and Europe in general, you haven't been able to buy them for about three months. And finally, someone who has been trying to buy one for quite some time kept sending emails to Nintendo asking, can I buy one? I'd like to be able to buy one. I would like one for my, I need an, I want to have a dock in every room in my house because I want to be able to play it on every TV in my house, not just the one the dock's on. So uh, a Nintendo technician may have inadvertently told the truth possibly. And they said, oh, we're sorry. You cannot purchase those anymore. We are no longer producing them. Ooh. So that kind of set rumor mill off like crazy because the idea is that the next Switch that comes out, the Pro Switch or whatever they'd like to call it, won't need a dock. And that's kind of where all the rumors have gone. But as of right now, you can still purchase Switch docks here. It kind of did create like a weird little fire for them on the internet for a few days. Yeah, those are the, those are the, the interesting tech things that are going mm. on right now. Nice, nice. And then lastly, because we uh, just mentioned Nintendo, Nintendo World in Universal Studios Japan finally has an opening date, which is February 4th, 2021, which uh, it was supposed to open earlier this year. But, you know, you know how this year went. <laughs> this is one of those stop it COVID moments. It is. It is. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So 
Uh, I know. Looks whenever amazing. we're amazing. I like I was looking at that trailer for it or the the reveal and I had to like multiple I had to blink multiple times to be like that's that's real life that's right. not that's, that's not, not fake yeah yeah like I yeah. can actually go to there that it's incredible I I I'm beside myself that I'm probably not going to be able to go to that park for many years the roller coaster looks <laughs> yeah. dope it does the coins yeah. the, the spinning coins yeah. uh, it, it's like ugh, my, my the inner child in me and myself are both <laughs> overjoyed at this. <laughs> So you are doubly overjoyed. Yeah, we're high-fiving like nonstop. (laughs) So that'll do it for our news. However, we still have one more bit, which is... Adventures Adventures in Twitch! And this week, it's with Manda. Breaking news! The Taste of Dragons is now on Twitch. Join your favorite dragon-themed Twitch affiliates for a full week of thrilling video game content. Let our team of professional sandwich testers treat you to puns, juggling, music, and most importantly, some sweet, sweet video games. Whether you enjoy classic indie games, AAA releases, or retro replays, boy, oh boy, do we have a show for you. Metal Gear Solid 3, Super Smash Bros., Dartside Detective, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Doom, Animal Crossing, and maybe some Immortal Phoenix Rising? Enjoy more content than ever before on The Taste of Dragons on Twitch. Yes. And that's been... Adventures in Twitch. Sounds like a fun oh. week, Manda. Very fun. Get on there. Twitch.tv yeah. backslash Taste of Dragons. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right, so I'll do it for our news. Now that brings us to our Mighty Morsel Tasty Topic. Mighty Morsel Tasty Topic. Cow. And this week, Troy's going to bring it to us. So, on December 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Game Awards will go live. That is the Jeff Keighley Game Awards that have happened for many years now that capture all of gaming's highlights from the year and then celebrates everyone involved in them. It's a good time of year for us to reflect and to also... um, Argue. uh, Argue. <laughs> about what we think is better and why your opinions matter and others don't. <laughs> um, so I wanted to actually uh, talk a little bit about the Game Awards itself, but also I wanted to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit on your thoughts to see what you guys even think about Game Awards in general. Now, um, the way that this Game Awards works is pretty much they get 95 uh, journalism companies from across the world and they send them like a, a survey. It's open, like you think the best action game is, and there's like five spots, and they can just fill in whatever they want. They take that data, and then they take whatever has been mentioned the most, make a new form out of that, and then send it back to the journalist with the top five for each category, and then they choose what they think. And they're kind of representing not just themselves, but also their entire um, organization. Like, like Game Informer will have like one vote for Game Informer that's collective. They'll talk with their team and then figure what they what they think is the best. And then they will vote for... Uh, the for, best based on what? Uh, within the company? W- within the, the journalism so company. So everyone creates their own criteria. Correct. They just vote one. This is the best based on whatever we think the best means. Correct. Okay. And the idea is with 95 of those, you're going to have a good breadth of a variety of opinions. and opinions. Yeah. Um, okay. now, now, 90% of the Game Awards is voted on by the journalists. 
10% is voted on by the people. That's right. If you go online to the Game Awards, they have the same list up there and you sign in. I just I did mine through like Facebook because I don't care about my Facebook. Put it anywhere, whatever. <laughs> um, you then can vote yourself on what you think based on your own personal opinion and bias. So, uh, and that, that, that pretty much is going to maybe nudge ties, I guess, since it's a 10% uh, influence. But I thought that was a good idea. Every vote counts. Hashtag 2020 election. Every vote counts. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was very interesting. 90% journalists, 10% people, all together, you get the game awards. So, we have quite a few games. Uh, we have five games that are nominated for game of the year uh, this year based on, on that process. It's Ghost of Tsushima. Hades, Doom Eternal, The Last of Us Part 2, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and Final Fantasy VII Remake. We all pretty much know who we, what our favorites are. Lewis loves Last of Us. Brian loves Final Fantasy VII. I'm with Animal Crossing. Joe's with Ghost of Tsushima and Animal Crossing. Mandy's with Animal Crossing. But we're all also a little bit on the fence of what it even means. I'm How- not... <laughs> How do I compare Animal Crossing to Ghost of Tsushima? You don't. (laughs) So that's what I wanted to ask is, I guess, what what may be either your personal um, idea of what a game of the year means? Or do you think that the whole idea is just kind of dumb and unnecessary? (laughs) I I do like especially the nominations, especially this year, because this year it's a wide breadth. They're all different uh, genres. Every yeah. single one of them is is completely different from the other one, but this year is in speci- in particular is weird because well, we've talked about this before. Animal Crossing, I think, meant so much to so many people. You had Danny Trejo playing it. I mean, you had right. like all these other people that were in it that normally wouldn't even play these types of games, but because of the way so uh, social life was this year, that game was so important to so many people to still stay together and, and connected. I mean, we had so many birthdays that were just on Animal Crossing in our friend group alone. Right. It saved and birthdays. It saved yeah. birthdays. And holidays. <laughs> yeah. And, and how do you compare that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how do you compare that to like Ghost of Tsushima, which is, I think, technically probably the game of the year, even though I love yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Right. I, I do think Ghost was just came out of not really nowhere but it kind of came out of nowhere and was such a almost perfect game that right how do you compare those two to like something that meant something so much socially to everybody to yeah just a great game and and ghost of tsushima is like a brand new franchise it's it yeah it is some it is impressive that it came out was so good and it's the first of its kind and, mm-hmm. and where Animal Crossing has something great is that it has an entire library of nostalgia kind of built into it that is only making it better. Um, yeah. But Ghost of Tsushima didn't have any of that support. No. Uh, Animal Crossing almost single-handedly sold out the Switch for six months in the yeah. you know and across the world. Um, so it's just very difficult, again, this year. And, and, and what is Game of the Year to you? Is it personally or is it objectively, you know? Yeah. Um, because personally, for me, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake. Because that means that means so much to me in my entire life, and that game was so good. It actually lived up to what I was hoping for. Yeah, it lived up to but, twenty years of hype. <laughs> yeah, but then again, objectively, I think Ghost of Tsushima is just a better game. You know, right? And so, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I I like to look at it like those six games are a great example of 
how different everyone's taste is in video games and how mm -hmm. we all together still love video games. Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard for anyone to say what's best and what isn't because just looking at how the journalists decide, there is no criteria. So technically no answer is wrong. If that's your best, if that's what you think is best. For me, I like to look at it like what had the biggest impact this year for video games in general. And even though I think Ghost of Tsushima is, a, is the best game on that list, I think Animal Crossing purely for the cultural insaneness that happened with it, like how how it changed people's lives, even though it doesn't have a narrative, you know, and we've, we went through this, but I feel like they, I think that because it's based on your own criteria, that Game Awards almost, it's cool for the nomination. It almost doesn't mean anything if you win, though. As someone who works as a data analyst, the idea of how they do it just, it, it just, it's just red I just, I'm just, it, I can't, I can't, I just, I can't, I can't. But I do get the point. Like, uh, you're not creating a system to fundamentally judge video games on a technical level, which is really what I want. Uh, you're just getting, like, the flavor of the audience and what they feel. Yeah, and, and from what I understand, the actual game, like, uh, um, journalists, like, their companies have a criteria. I, I couldn't go into all 95 right, but to all see the what criteria is different, so they don't mean anything. Correct. It doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme. Right. It could mean something to them on how they get to their answer right and that's interesting and cool so yeah there's no real saying why why one is going to win over the other we don't have a collective mm -hmm. set of values to judge against so something winning doesn't necessarily mean the same to you as it was to me because it's like oh you judged it based on a criteria that i don't find important right. and therefore so but i do think that all of the games who have been nominated have been really great video games and mm -hmm. whatever game wins yeah is gonna gain some notoriety I, to push it forward I, and i, I kind of see it like whatever their individual criteria was it when a game wins an award in this character in this category that just means that all these different individual criteria somehow all came to the same conclusion that this game is it was better for them for one reason or another i wish i did mm -hmm. know what eh. what that was but it's a good it, it lets me it gives me a little insight into i guess collectively how a majority of people are feeling in the gaming community. I, I don't yeah. like the implication that journalists have more of a say than gamers do, and I don't like the implication that just that because more people like something that makes it a better game, but because if that's the case, then why don't you just look at sales and be like, that one sold six well, times more, so that one's the better game. So, I, so mathematically, mm -hmm. from a data analyst standpoint, no, I don't think this works. But from like a the societal event cultural, then yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. I, I do think that journalists have a a better um, say in this than the average consumer because they have access to a more variety of games. Like that, that could also make them objectively worse at it because they play so many games they get desensitized. I could, I guess, right. but but I'm just talking about from an availability standpoint. Right. They are trained professionals. This they have experience that have that is that is more consistent than just all gamers in the world. Um, so I, I think that get using their experience and using their resources to be able to come to a conclusion and an opinion still, it's still an opinion. I, I do think that that does have uh, a more consistent value than, but, than like people's But we, we haven't agreed on a common value set. So if we don't have a, a, a common set of belief, how can you place more weight on someone else's com random arbitrary? Never mind. It's well, fine. No, it's, it's not fine. a general. It's, 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 it's my personal <laughs> feeling on it. And um, that is my personal that's feeling just on like, it. That's exactly what we've been yeah. talking about for the last two or three weeks, guys. We, <laughs> yeah. we, cannot, we ourselves wouldn't be able to come up with a, this is the basis of, because I'm with Manda, I want math. 
I want simple. Yeah. I, I want someone to go, look, uh, you know what? And even if it is a popularity contest, this is what this is. Then that's fine. And I understand why things win. But I don't understand when, like, like for me, if I don't, if Animal Crossing or Ghost doesn't win, I will probably be sad a little because like, oh, they're both so great. And at the same time, Last of Us was a powerhouse. Doom was a powerhouse. You know what does what should win? Hades, because it's the one that will benefit the most of being game of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The rest of those don't need that. They've sold plenty of games. And then also our criteria is completely different. Like Lewis completely values story over, you know, a lot of other things, which we, I completely get. And he he's not really into Animal Crossing at all. So... Yeah. I mean, it's because Animal Crossing, I did play it when it first came out. I played it for a good amount of time. Every single day, I'd wake up at, like, 6 a.m., and i like, do Animal Crossing things and do everything. And I get the cultural impact that the game has had, but, like, that doesn't weigh more than, for me, all the technical aspects of a game that's made, like, for you guys, Ghost of Tsushima, or for me, The Last of Us, you know? Um, because I do value story, but then I also value the gameplay mechanics, the way the game looks, and uh, mm-hmm. all, all of this other stuff that adds to that. And yes, because Animal Crossing games like that are stylized in terms of art, so then obviously it's, it's going to be different, so you can't really compare that. But I, I don't know. Uh, the cultural impact for me, I'm like, I think, <laughs> I feel like a new award should be created this year for, <laughs> for quarantine. <laughs> And video yeah. games. <laughs> Honestly. Animal Crossing wins best quarantine game, so, hands down. So, so we're saying that, yeah. that if your game wins, that you guys should, sh- should celebrate that the system is perfect. And if your game loses, just you know have comfort in the fact that uh, there there is no qualifying criteria. So, what are, what does this award mean anyway? What what does it even mean? To me, it's what just a celebration award, really? of gaming. Right? It's not about winning or anything. Like, yes, there is a winner, but it's more right. about reflecting and having conversations about what. What touched you this year? What moved you? What, what, what made you think about things in different light? To me, that's what this Game Awards is that, about. That celebration. would mean more mm-hmm. if there were no winner. Uh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I do see how how make how making it into like an award show gives it a focus, right. even if that focus is arbitrary. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, I think of it as a celebration more than a winner, even though I know it's you know it's technically a winner and all that other jazz. But I think it's a celebration of games. Okay, I think when God of War won and that dude got up there and said, boy, I think everybody in that entire place was like losing their damn minds. So I feel like a winner is needed for this to all come to that point in time to have happened. And I just want that point in time to happen every year. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone was so overjoyed that this is what happened. Yeah. No matter so who like, wins, he comes up and says, boy. Yes. <laughs> boy. You know, like, like, dude, it was epic. So I feel like you can't not have a winner. Yeah. This is art. It's all in the eye of the beholder. And that's what makes it unfair to even judge it like that. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what gets me is how vastly different each game is on this list this you year. You can't compare it's like, them. Yeah. It's like that isn't even fair to any of the games they're not even close to the same genre none of them i'm I'm not gonna compare the godfather to finding nemo yeah great movies but like not not something i'm gonna put in the same category it's especially fair like we mentioned with hades is hades is made with an infinitely smaller company yeah the fact that they're on the list is like amazing but it's just like well yeah but were they better than this triple a game that has millions of dollars in development i was like that's not a fair comparison so because it's because it's an action roguelike it's a completely different game like so yeah i think uh i think in the end it's like it's a good event to have because it allows you to talk about video games and to celebrate them or whatever. But like 
don't necessarily hold whatever the outcomes are to like as, as like this is it like this is exactly how it is like because this game won it is definitely better than the other game because in the end it's all subjective <laughs> yeah oh absolutely absolutely just like video games it's just all subjective yeah 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 <laughs> and, and and in the end it all just comes down to your personal experience with it did you have a good time exactly then great that's all that matters and also if we're yeah. talking about the game awards it's really just uh excuse to run a bunch of ads <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> i watched that for the trailers give me exactly, the new game trailers, trailers. <laughs> Oh man, this is just like the Super Bowl for us. Yeah. This is about commercials. <laughs> yeah, yep. you're damn right. So we'll be uh, covering that one way or another on December 10th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check it out. Woo! Yeah, it's also going to be a little weird because that's also the day that Cyberpunk comes out. So I wonder how many people are going to well, stop playing Cyberpunk to watch that. Uh, if you have the PS5, you can do the picture in picture. That's true. <gasps> that's true. Ooh. You can. You can. But then you're covering up Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, you can't do that, Amanda. <laughs> Only a bit. Yeah. You can pin it just to the side so it's not sure. actually covering any of the screen. All right, so that'll do it for our Mighty Morso Tasty Topic. <laughs> All right, now it brings us to our Dragon of the Week. Adieu, 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 adieu. It's a Dragon of the Week. Oh, it's so sleek. It's the Dragon of the Week. It'll make you think Dragon of the Week. And Dragon of the Week is a chance for us to shine a little light, show a little love to our companies, our people, our executives, our our marketers, our (laughs) streamers, whoever you are in the gaming industry, we want to help and 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 shine a little light on you. You know, give you guys your spotlight. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, this week, Troy's gonna bring it to us. So I've been spending time this week researching the Game Awards, and one of the award categories is for Content Creator of the Year. And on that list, you have personalities like Tim the Tatman, Alana Pierce, and whatnot. But there was one creator that I woefully did not know by name, but I did know about her amazing organization. So allow me to gush about the inspirational leader responsible for founding the Black Girl Gamers community, J. Ann Lopez. Black Girl Gamers is a space and community for black women to support each other while gaming. It was cultivated from the fact that the gaming industry and community severely lacks black female representation. <laughs> that's that's putting it lightly. Yeah. The founder, our dragon of this week, felt like there needed to be a place where folks can go to feel safe and where they can create content to help promote diversity and the breaking down of stereotypes. So here's some background on J. Ann Lopez. She is a gamer, born and raised in the UK. Went through a lot of bullying growing up, partially due to her hobbies. When she was young, she was really into Dragon Ball Z and collecting Pokemon cards. Where she grew up, they were seen as, you know, not girl things that she should be doing. But she also played a lot of violin and orchestra, did ballet, tap, theater, hip-hop, pretty much... She did everything and was pretty much good at everything. But <laughs> she did the uh, the the unholy trinity of nerdum. Yes, <laughs> she was all types of nerd. Yeah, orchestra, yeah. Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon video games, like it was she had it all. But what she had the most of was a deep passion for gaming. But because of a severe lack in options, as universities didn't have gaming courses when uh, when she was ready to go to university, and uh, the fact that it was nearly impossible for her to find other black women in the industry, she felt discouraged to pursue a career in gaming, and instead went to school for biochemistry. Practically the same thing. Oh, yeah. Who ask me. Yeah. <laughs> 
After that time, uh, her and her close friend, Trina Charles, were talking to each other and realized, hey, there really isn't a great platform out there designed for black women with natural hairstyles. So they made one. <laughs> they uh, came up with this platform called Curlture. Like curl and culture. Curlture. Nice. Um, as we have talked about on, on previous podcasts, uh, black women have a time dealing with and maintaining their hair in a culture that has built an idea of what beauty is around very narrow standards. And what curlture does is breaks down those standards and not only promotes, uh, but demonstrates just how gorgeous natural black women's hair is. Now, while she was gaining these skills of building a platform, building a place for people to go that wasn't represented enough online. Um, she was still a gamer throughout all of this. And in 2015, she had to walk away from gaming, though, because, well, as we have also mentioned uh, before, gaming's hella toxic, y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the, most. the racism, homophobia, the sexism. She had a friend who was a Twitch streamer, like a friend of hers. And, and while this person was nowhere near, as she put it, near a black person, they would don on the persona of a black person and make a lot of, like, not okay jokes. More, like, appropriate than don on, not, like, blackface, but just, like, a lot of appropriation. And she noticed that not only on his stream, but also in gaming communities and other streamers, so often the punchline to so many jokes was based on women. Like, on, and, and just using that as a way to make fun of someone, uh... By, yeah, using women as the punchline. And she had to be like, you know what? None of this sits right with me. I'm good for now. But then she thought, <laughs> you know what? I was good. She's like, damn it. You know what? I'm going to make my own. And she did. She started her own Twitch channel. And after streaming for a bit, she connected with a few other streamers and found their company uh, of like mind and found their company refreshing amidst the toxicity that is the gaming community. And so she was like, let's make this a thing. And Black Girl Gamers was born. It started as a Facebook group that had a questionnaire to fill out before joining to keep out the haters and quickly grew because like having a space to connect with each other where you're not bullied or ignored or feel threatened. <laughs> That's a good thing, y'all. That's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know why everywhere isn't like that. And that <laughs> makes me kind of sad. <laughs> But it sounds like I would love to 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 be part of something like that. It's like Assassin's Creed and chill. It is. <laughs> just it a nice is. space to be in where we can just chill and relax. I bet they also have cocoa. Oh, I bet they do. <laughs> I see what you did. Um, the, the group quickly grew. Uh, it started hosting panels at venues like PAX East and even was housed in the Victorian Albert Museum in England. Uh, with Lopez herself winning the MCV Magazine Award for Women in Games Campaigner of the Year. Now, in 2020, this community of gamers has grown to have over 6,000 members in it and over 27,000 followers on Twitch. Wow. Damn. She is like an ultimate manager because she manages not only this platform for gaming, but she's continued to uh, manage the platform for culture as well as uh, she gives lectures on diversity, representation, inclusion. Her gamer events that she runs uh, includes panels of all black women, but also women of all different backgrounds and races. And I, I got to look at some snippets from some of her events and they're like E3, but without like that, like male gaze <laughs> without that like grime on it, you know, less Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> Less Cheeto grease, I mean. And it was really cool because you could see, like, 
then one clip is a row of like consoles in their gaming and another clip there's like a mini spa where they're getting their nails done and I'm like this uh, this seems like the best <laughs> they can go get some food go game get their nails done go back to gaming like I want that <laughs> that sounds dope here is a quote that she has lived by that her mother passed down to her concerning race since it is a big part of her movement And her mother said, when it comes to how people regard you for your race, this is how the world reacts to you, but this is not who you are. You are more than whatever characteristics they try to associate with your beautiful skin. And that's something that has stuck with her and has been a driving force to tear down stereotypes within the communities. Um, There's even more than her trying to break down stereotypes for the consumer. She's also trying to break down stereotypes for the companies. Companies, when they're making games, they want to make sure that their games sell well. So they make those games for the larger audience, which are usually dudes. By her creating this megaphone for women gamers, she is catching the attention of big companies by saying, hey, we got money too. (laughs) (laughs) And we'd love to spend it. How about you start making some games, you know, for us as well and for others, you know, finding different audiences that haven't been tapped yet. Now, I know that sounds kind of callous in the way that I describe that, but, you know, I'm speaking big business over here. You know, you got to speak the language that big business understands. Oh, absolutely. In the end, she believes that gaming is more powerful than most people think it is, and that if people's views on gaming weren't so antiquated, we could see what the true power of it, and we could see the true power of it come out. So that is a quick quick synopsis on J. Ann Lopez. I do encourage you to look up more of her um, material. You can find a lot of her lectures online on YouTube, but also head on over to Black Girl Gamers on Twitch and drop a follow. I've I've been watching it all day as I was writing this. I had it on and it's just like a great group of people. It's just a great friendly group of people that are just positive in a way it is kind of like how the 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 positive the positivity that we try to cultivate in our twitch channel of just like being loving and being welcoming it is all that and more so make sure to check those places out and uh she is nominated for content creator of the year this year which what's the criteria on that right (laughs) right yeah how are you voting (laughs) people's lifestyles over one or another yeah um but at least her story is being brought to the forefront more. And I think that's the true uh, boon of the Game Awards is bringing more awareness to people you may not have been beforehand. So shout out to JN Lopez. Thank you for making gaming a better place to be. And thank you for making the world a better place while you're at it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, Troy. That's uh, that's really great. So JN Lopez, nicely, nicely done. Sir. Very nice. Unfortunately, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. But you can always find us online. That's right. Check us out on Instagram at Taste of Dragons. Uh, That is where we post a lot of fun content throughout the week. Some videos, pictures, having a good old party online. But the fun doesn't stop there. Also check out our live streams on twitch.tv backslash Taste of Dragons, where we are live six days a week, mostly nights. You can check out our schedule. We stream everything from Fallout to Bug Snacks, from Animal Crossing to Fall Guys. Uh, Check it out. We have a great time on there, and we'd love to see you stop by to have fun as well. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, where our account there is focused solely on independent games and trying to give more of a voice to independent uh, developers out there. And you can find us on Twitter at Taste of Dragons as well. So those are the main places, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter. 
find us, like us, love us. <laughs> and, and we'll see you there. Please? That's right. Uh, so as always, though, my name is Brian. My name is Troy. Amanda. I'm Lewis. And I'm Joe. And we are... The, the Taste, Taste of Dragons. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. See ya. Game Awards, y'all. I vote Manda, the best dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Taste of Dragons Gaming Podcast. A podcast for everyone's day.